Good afternoon, everybody Uneducated Economist here. Got me a new truck. Well, it's not a new truck. It's an old truck. It's a 2002 S10, but it's new to me, and I needed something that I can haul some lumber or plywood or bale of hay or something because I live out here in the country now. And so I needed a pickup truck to haul some stuff around. This one came up for sale through word of mouth. This is the best way to get a vehicle. And I tell you right now, picking up a vehicle that runs like as well as this one does for $1,200 is a really good deal, um, at least in my opinion. Now, you know, time will tell on whether or not this thing uh, is worth the money, but the way I see it, if you can get a $100 a month out of your vehicle, so pretty much if this thing lasts me a year, it will be well worth my money. So that's what I put into it is $1,200, and if, I, if it lasts a year, then it was worth it, and that's the way I kind of see buying used vehicles. I did a great video on how to buy a $500 car. Of course, like there is no $500 cars anymore. Those ones are pretty much gone. So $500 is the new $1,200 today. So anyhow, I uh, thought I would talk a little bit more about central bank digital currencies. I got a couple of articles I want to leave for you. Had a, um, had a viewer tell me that they, um, they're real interested in the idea of this central bank digital currency like how this is going to play out because although they hear a lot about central bank digital currency how it gets implemented into use is a very difficult thing to try and wrap your head around because most people kind of look at like using credit cards or online purchases like paypal or something like that as already a form of digital currency that we're already using today and there's a difference between using a online digital like platform like PayPal or Venmo or something like that and using what they refer to as a central bank digital currency, which is more like a blockchain type technology, very similar to something like Bitcoin. Now, whether or not they use actual blockchain technology to to make these central bank digital currencies work, that's gonna be another story. But it's the idea that it's gonna be like a centrally controlled Bitcoin of sorts. Now, the difference is, is that there's going to be like cash and everything is doing cash. Whether you're, it's a credit card or debit card, bottom line, it's all ends in cash. Central bank digital currency, that currency is the cash. And that's and that's a little difficult for people to kind of wrap their head around is that that central bank digital currency is a form of cash itself, but it's a different currency. So central bank digital currency and cash. Everything is due and what is assuming cash. But imagine things being due or being taxed or taxes being able to be paid in a central bank digital currency as well. And there's two of them. Now, once you can kind of wrap your head around these two different types of currencies that are in, in existence at the same time, then you could really understand where the benefits of having a central bank digital currency are for the banking system. Not necessarily for the people, although they will promote it for the people as if it's a benefit for them. It's not necessarily a benefit to the people. It's more about a being able to track and trace and know everything about what you are doing with your money. 
everything can be tracked with a central bank digital currency. They know where everything goes, where it came from, what's happening with it. I mean, there is no secrets when it comes to a central bank digital currency or pretty much any digital currency, unless you're talking some of the privacy coins like Monero and a few other ones. There are also secondary layers that you can use, like say, I guess the easiest way to explain it is to have a, like say, Bitcoin and then have another layer over the top of Bitcoin that interacts with your transactions to hide where those actual Bitcoins are going. Now, that's a little complicated to understand, but if you can kind of wrap your head around the secondary layer that's creating the security kind of mechanism for the transactions, then you can see where Bitcoin could have like that security of, you know, some of the other privacy coins that are out there. Again, whether you trust these things or not, it's it's up to you. I mean, that's even right down to Bitcoin, whether or not you trust Bitcoin. I mean, ultimately, if it's not in your hand when you hold it, then there is no real value to it. You have to put some sort of trust into it. There's some sort of like, you know, belief that it's actually going to have some sort of benefit to you in the future. Whether silver is going to have a benefit to you or not, or Bitcoin is going to have a benefit to you or not, that's all with, within your belief system. I mean, I honestly have no idea what the future is going to be like, so I don't necessarily believe or disbelieve. I just, you know, have a position in both of them. And if one of them happens to fail or not work out, well, there's, you know, that was my, my bad, you know, that's the risk you take. But when it comes to implementing these digital currency, this is where it's going to be really interesting for the Federal Reserve, because I've said this before, like, you know, this is kind of like me repeating myself. But like I said, there was a, you know, a couple of viewers who asked me to talk a little bit more about this. And the article that I'm going to leave down in the description for you guys, that's going to tell a lot. Go and read that article. I mean, I think it came out like over a year ago. So. It's going to come down to how it is that they're going to inject money into the system when it comes to achieving the lower bound. This is really strange to think about because the way the banking system typically would have worked is that when you go into a recession, you go into a slowdown, the way you can kind of stimulate the, not the way you kind of, the way you stimulate the economy is to get people to start spending, right? To increase aggregate consumption or aggregate demand or however you want to call it. Get people spending money. That's ultimately what it is. So when it comes to like how does the Federal Reserve get people to spend money is that they would lower their Fed funds rate. This was the interest rate that the banks would lend to each other on an overnight basis. And if you can lower that rate down, then you would start stimulating the rest of the lending going throughout the rest of the system out there because the interest rates coming down would entice people to go out and take loans so that they can go on vacation, buy houses, cars, do stuff like that. So this is how like stimulating the economy during recessions would typically work. But then they hit zero. Bang. Now what do you do, right? Because now dropping of interest rates is no longer an effective tool for stimulating the economy. Now, this is where I did the video talking about Ben Bernanke and the speech and the credible threats and all the things that come in along with credible threats. But now stimulating the economy is going to come out of fiscal stimulus, meaning that the government has to do it, meaning deeper into debt, issuing out stimulus checks, doing a lot of government spending, those are the ways that you can get debt rolling. And if you can get those those stimulus checks out there and get people spending that money, then you can increase the, the demand out there, the consumption. This is what gets the economy rolling again. That's why the recession, they said like the worst recession or the, what do they call it? The uh, 
biggest downturn and revival of a recession in history? Well, no kidding, man. I mean, it was done on purpose. You shot yourself in the foot and then you gave yourself a bunch of pain medication. I mean, no, no wonder why everybody felt so good from it, right? Anyway, so going into the central bank digital currencies and stimulating the economy with it. So next time we go into a recession... Think about it. What is the government going to do? Are they going to issue out a bunch of stimulus checks, tell people to stay home, don't go to work, don't, you know, shoot themselves in the foot again, say don't produce anything? No, we're going to go into a recession where people are not going to be able to afford the items that are coming in because of the demand for them is so high and the supply is so low. Again, so shot themselves in the foot making this happen, right? So supply chain breakdown. Supply and demand issue, prices are up, people are not really working, wages aren't going up like they really should be, and the cost of living is still outpacing the the increase in wages. So there is obviously like a stagflationary scenario coming from that, like no doubt about it. If prices go up to the point that people can't afford the products, they're not going to be buying the products. And if they're not buying the products, then there's a slowdown in consumption. And a slowdown in consumption means there's a slowdown in demand. And so goes the spiraling effects of it. Now, whether or not prices go up or down, that's a whole other story from it. Because, again, I have said this before. I don't really look at inflation, deflation from the prices. I look at it as the increase or decrease in credit and money. So as more people are taking out debt and buying cars and houses, the increasing of, of asset prices goes up. If people are not taking out debts and not buying houses and not buying cars and not going on vacation and not going out to the restaurants and not doing that economic activity, then you're going to have a slowdown in consumption and that's going to be a deflationary scenario as, it, as people are taking out less credit to buy those things. So these are the reasons why I see it as a deflationary scenario coming up, regardless of prices. It's not, it, prices don't really, I mean, those are the effects, those are the symptoms, those are the results of inflation and deflation. That's not, that's not what's, you know, I mean, that's the result. That's like, you know, you, you don't look at that, you look at what's taken place. And that's a long time ago, I said it, you know, the inflation is already here. It's the prices that the Federal Reserve is looking for. So now that the prices are way up, it gives the excuse to the Federal Reserve to go ahead and raise all the interest rates they want. If they can raise the interest rates, that gives them a little bit of ammo for the next recession so that they can drop interest rates again. But what if they can't? What if they cannot raise those interest rates? Or at least enough to drop them again to stimulate the economy. What do they do then? How do you get the economy like moving again. How do you get people spending money? You have less people working. You have less manufacturing taking place. You have increased prices and there's nobody spending money. Now what do you do? Because you're going to be falling into recession in that scenario. I mean, it's going to get worse and it's going to get bad. So here you go. Now the treasury, which is where the Federal Reserve has to go to stimulate the economy, right? The Federal Reserve just cannot print up money and just hand it over. They have to buy something. Mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, they have to do something of that nature. Now, a lot of people are under the impression that they can go and just buy stocks or corporate debt or something like that. Yes, in a roundabout way, they can. And if you want to believe that they are directly doing that, that's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of videos out there that talk that way. I'm not in such a belief of that. I feel that they have to use stuff like special purpose vehicles in order to buy those corporate debts. But when they did that, it was all a credible threat to begin with. So when it comes to the Federal Reserve and what they are going to do as far as stimulating the economy, directly injecting money into the system is not something they can do. 
what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to go to the treasury and what I feel is probably going to be the most likely scenario is if you go and read that article that I leave down in the description, they talk about this. If GDP falls to a particular level or unemployment rises to a particular level, there could be these zero interest rate catastrophe bonds that the Treasury could issue out that the Federal Reserve could buy directly. And instead of giving the money to the Treasury, inject it right into digital wallets. Think about that for a second. Okay. This is not exactly like helicopter money, but it is like zero interest rate bonds printing up money. They can print up as like there is no interest to be paid on this and it's a catastrophe if GDP falls or unemployment rises. Well, I feel that that little scenario, once that has taken place, there is no reversal, of course. That will be the action from that point on. And the only way to pull the money back out of the system will be through tax systems. It'll be like UBI. It'll be like, it'll be UBI. That'll be it. And so the central bank digital currency will then be the currency of choice. Now, again, people will talk about cash and having cash in the system. And we talked about that as far as how they're going to get cash out of the system is they're just going to make it incredibly cumbersome for you to use. If you have cash in the banking system, you go to pull cash out, they will charge you a fee. If you go to put cash back into the banking system, they're going to charge you a fee. Whatever that fee is will be a negative interest rate that they apply to the central bank digital currencies. You will be locked into the system for life. So I don't know how fearful you are of this. Now, I personally, I'm not really that scared of it all. I invest regularly on Bitcoin. I try to buy silver at least once a month. I try to buy stocks. I'm now into homeownership. I'm not really like excited about buying the house at the, at the price that I did. But, you know, it is what it is. I got this truck here. I'm ready to do some stuff here on the property to try and make some money. What it is that you do in as far as like your situation is going to be completely different. Like people ask me all the time, like, what is it that they should do? And I tell you, if you were in my place, you would be doing probably what I'm doing. But you might be in the city somewhere in an apartment trying to figure things out. Like that is not like whatever it is I'm doing is probably not the same as what you should be doing. But these are the things that we need to think about, and I really hope that that video uh, helps out the gentleman who was asking about the central bank digital currencies and how it is that they plan on, you know, introducing these things, how quickly it could happen, you know, what kind of situation that it might take. Who knows? I mean, this is, uh, I mean, this is anybody's guess onto onto what like exactly that scenario could be like. What triggers it? Who knows? I mean, but you just have to keep an eye out for it. I mean, once you are aware of how these things could happen, then you can start seeing it taking place well ahead of time. You know? uh, keep an eye on China. China's like, I, I just keep an eye on China. China is like really going to start being the, uh, what is that? The, uh, I don't know, not necessarily the canary in the coal mine, but definitely the, what is it? The example the example country to follow because they're they're whatever's happening there i feel is going to be happening throughout the rest of the governments throughout the rest of the countries rest of the uh, economies throughout the world so okay uh uneducated economist you guys let me know